Well, good morning. Welcome to Soul City Church. My name is Jared. I'm one of the lead pastors here. And uh, Happy New Year to you. We still say that? We can still say that, right? All right, Happy New Year to you. Glad that you're here. Yeah, we're still feeling good about this year. That's awesome. Uh, those of you gathered here, those of you who are uh, gathered in our overflow spaces, uh, we're so glad that you're here. And I, I love being able to kick off a new kind of teaching series. That's the way we do it. We'll kind of look at something or study something from the Bible for a number of weeks or until I run out of things to say, and then we'll kind of move on to the next thing. And I'm so excited, especially this time of year, uh, to kick off this Art of Being series. Now, what we're going to look at for the next couple of weeks is what we talk about here every week at Soul City Church. You heard Jenny just a moment ago talk about that, that our mission is to lead people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. That's at the center of everything we do here at Soul City Church. But maybe for you at the end of that statement is maybe a question mark like, okay, what does that look like? What does a transformational relationship with Jesus looks like? So for the next couple of weeks, we're going to walk through specifically kind of five marks of what it means to be in a transformational relationship with Jesus. And I think this is a great opportunity. Maybe you've been coming to Soul City for a while now to really get some clarity, to refresh, or to remind you of what's at the heart of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And and maybe for you, you're kind of new to the God thing. Maybe it's part of the resolution for you to go to church more. And so you, you did it. Great job. You're here. What we want to do is kind of help you understand what this really means to actually start and have a relationship with Jesus. So it's for those of us who kind of heard maybe some of this before, it's to remind and refresh. And then for those of us who haven't, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to what God has done for you today. Now, a couple weeks ago, something happened to me that um, it was not a good moment for me. And uh, just because I have the mic, I thought I'd lead off with the confession time. Um, I was in the middle of working on a very, very, very important section of writing. I've been writing a lot this year and so, uh, this last year and this year. And so I, writing about, I was probably about seven or eight pages in um, to, in my opinion, some of the greatest words ever uh, penned by human hands. I think it was those moments God was just speaking to me and I was just trying to keep up. And so, uh, and, and it was about, it, was, it represented, you know, a couple days worth of work that I'd been doing and kind of getting ready. And one of those documents, maybe you've had one where you kind of just keep it open because you're always working on it, you know, so it's, it's kind of always open and always running in the background. So you can just go right to it. And so that was the case with me. And I had that open. And I, I had some great stuff, great momentum, great traction on my writing. And apparently what I didn't realize is that at some point, maybe a week or so before, uh, I had updated uh, Microsoft Word, which is what I was using to write in, and something must have happened uh, with the save settings. Do you see where the story's going? Okay. So I'm in the middle of Starbucks, and my computer just dies. I mean, just gives up the will to live, checks out, goes on vacation. I don't know where computers go when they die, but mine was gone. And I, I mean, all of the panic began to set in, you know, of like, oh, well, it was the last point that I saved up to, you know, I'm starting to freak out about a little bit. And so, and and we're, you know, we're young church, new church. It's not like we have an IT department. I mean, I'd I'd call me in that scenario. And so I'm I'm it, I'm the IT department in that moment. And so I'm trying to figure it out. So I get it back on. I'm like, I got my computer back. That's good. And then it gave me uh, two options. Two things popped up. It said, uh, do you want to use the recovered file or do you want to use the original file? And I thought, well, why would I I want the original. That's the one I was working on. Why wouldn't I? Oh, you've used Word before. Okay. Where were you at Starbucks? So I chose the original file. And not a word that I had written was saved. And I'm hitting like undo, undo, like passionately, and then like now forcefully. And I, there's, it's not coming back. And I'm praying to God in the middle of a storm. He's like, oh God, oh God, please, hey, big God, oh God. 
at this point, I'm praying to Clippy, that little paperclip thing that used to pop up. <laughs> I'm praying he'll show up. I can resurrect him and he'll say, you know, I've noticed you're having an emotional breakdown. How can I help? Like, I was ready for anything or anyone to help. And I could not, I couldn't get it back. And I had to kind of go back and try to remember all of the greatest words ever penned by human hand and rewrite them again. And it took me twice as long to get it back done. You ever had one of those moments where you, you lost something and, and you couldn't, there's nothing you could do to get it back. You ever, uh, have you ever sent, I won't give any examples of this from my life, but you ever send an email about someone accidentally to that someone? That's, you can't undo that, can you? Ever done that? Ever shot off a text that you wish there was a boomerang button? You could kind of bring that text back around. You ever, you know, there's plenty of things in our life that, that we've done that we can't, you just, you can't undo. And, and I think as we're kind of looking at what this art of being looks like, how do we be in a relationship with God? I think we have to start by being really honest that beyond documents and texts and emails, there are things in our life that we desperately wish we could undo. We could go back in time and somehow recover what we had done, undo decisions you've made in your past, undo relationships that you maybe did the wrong way, undo moments of your life that now you look back on and you wish you could have those back. You got any of... Uh, any of those in your life? I think we all do. We all have those things that we wish we could undo, but there doesn't seem to be anything we can do about it. So that's a question I want us to start with this morning, is, is, is what do you do about all the things you can't undo? Like in your life, I'm talking about the big things in your life. What do you do about the things that just by your own power you simply cannot undo? What do you do about the things from your past? you can't undo. Now, you, you can try as hard as you can to live without regret, but you still have to live with the reality of your decisions. So what do you do about the things from your past? Parts of your story that you just can't, you just can't edit or undo. What do you do about the things that you've said to others you wish you could take back? The way that you've hurt others from your past, or maybe just as recently as this last week. What do you do about the ways that you've hurt yourself, robbed yourself of the life God actually longed for you and created you to live? What do you do about the nights that you wish you could get back? Those nights you wish you could have a do-over, you could undo the promises maybe that you broke that you can't seem to fix? What do you do about the, the sin in your life? The Bible talks about sin, how it's, uh, it's the things that we do that break our relationship with God. What do you do about the sin from your past or your present right now that keeps you from living that life, God? created you to live in relationship with him. What do you do about that? What do you do about all the things that you just simply cannot undo by yourself? And if you sit with that thought for a little bit, specifically in the context of what it means to have a relationship with God, then you gotta maybe go to the next question is, what does God want me to do? What, is God ex what, like, what does God expect me to do with all of these things that I can't seem to undo on my own? Maybe for you, you've had this Maybe idea or understanding, maybe from how you grew up or part of a religious experience you had in the past that the only way to undo what you've done in the past is to outdo them in the present. For all the bad things you've done in the past, you've got to do more good things. Anyone ever tried that strategy before? How long did that last for you? That's for many of us that we try and undo by outdoing, and that doesn't seem to work for any of us. Maybe you thought that when it comes to God and the things that you've done because of what you've done, that God's done with you that he's just given up all hope. I mean, what, what, what does God do about all the things that we've done, specifically the things that we've done that have not only hurt ourselves, but hurt our relationship with him? 
The good news for you, for me, is that the Bible is filled with truth and reality about what God does, specifically with what I've done. And I want to look at just one little passage, and it's found actually in, in the book of Ephesians. Uh, and I'm going to ask you to open there. I want us to, do, uh, to look at this reality, just one glimpse of what God does for what we've done. And so if you have a Bible with you, you can open to Ephesians chapter 2. And if not, we have these uh, Bibles in the seat back. Why don't you grab that in a pen? I want everyone to be able to look at this and determine and decide for themselves, to be able to respond to God themselves. So grab a Bible, and in the, these Bibles in the seat back, it's page 815. Page 815 will get you right up to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to look for just a moment at what God does for all that we've done. There's a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a church, a church filled with people who had done all kinds of things they wish they hadn't done, and people who were trying to outdo it by being extra religious. You ever tried that path before? They were trying to do that, and so Paul goes, no, 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 no. Let me clarify what needs to be done in this moment. And so this is Ephesians chapter 2. Grab a pen. We're going to, any moment where I pause and ask you to call out the word, I want you to call it back to me so that you get its significance uh, in this moment. So this is what Paul says. This is what God says to you specifically in light of all that you've done that just can't be undone. Paul says, for it is by what? Grace. Grace. You need to circle that word. It's not by trying really hard. It's not by outdoing what you've done. It's not by hitting the, you know, undo button as hard as you can. God says it's by grace. It's by grace that you're saved through faith. And that means that through you believing that what God has done for you is actually enough. Faith means that I'm going to believe, I'm going to bank my life on the fact that this is all about grace. And then Paul goes on because he knows our tendency to try and be human doings versus human beings. And Paul says, look, this is the thing. This is not from yourselves. You could never come up with this. You could never do this on your own. It is a what? It is a gift from God. It's the gift of God for you. And then he goes on to say it again. Not by what? Not by works or the things that you do, right? The things that we try and do to outdo what we've done. He says it's not by works so that no one can boast, so that no one can take the credit. And this is a guy who wrote this who had all the credentials in the world. He had done everything right according to the religious system and structure of his day. And Paul says, yeah, it's not about what you do. Doing's not enough. It's about ultimately what God has done. And Paul says this is how it all works. This is what a relationship with God looks like. It is a grace-based relationship. It is built on and grows out of what God has done for you. It's the gift of grace. Grace is, simply put, what God does for all that I've done. Grace is what God does for all that you've done. We have our, all of our long lists of regrets and nights we wish we could take back and seasons and years of our life where we wandered and even ran from God, things that we've done to hurt ourselves, hurt others, and hurt God. And God says, I know. I know, this is not in spite of, this is in light of all of that. I give you the gift of grace. Here's what I'm doing for all that you've done. I am going to cover it all, and this is important, lovingly, joyfully cover it all by grace. Willingly, continually, completely. God is not somewhere in heaven begrudgingly doling out grace. You again? Oh my gosh. You again? Oh my gosh. I got to do it for you. He knows what you've done. He knows what I've done. He knows what I do. He knows what you do. And God says, I refuse to let sin separate you from me any longer. So I'm giving you the gift of grace. This is what I'm doing 
This is what I do for all that you've done. Something that only God could do, that you and I could never, ever do on our own. Because the reality the Bible talks about is that there is a reality to sin. All of us have felt it, whether we want to admit it or acknowledge it or not. There's a reality to sin. The things that we choose that break our relationship with God end up also hurting us in the process and ultimately separate us from a pure and holy God. My sin, the things I've done, have broken a relationship with God and separated me from him. And, and we can try, I can try as hard as I can in, in light of the gap, you know, that has been caused by my sin to try and sort of outdo what I've done in the past and try and build a bridge to God by doing good things. God says, no, that'll never work. That'll never last. And in fact, in the process, you're going to find yourself even further from me than when you started. God says, let me do what only I can do for you. Let me do what only I can do to undo the weight, the price, the reality of sin in your life. All of your best efforts and all of your worst moments can't possibly outdo what grace does. So God says, I give it to you as a gift. You can't earn it. It's the most priceless, precious thing in the universe. You can't earn it, but thank God I give it to you freely. This is what I do for you, for what all you've done. See, grace, grace is what forgives my sin. Again and again and again. Grace is what forgives your sin. No matter how big, no matter how um, often, no matter how recent it may be, grace is what forgives your sin. No matter how hard you've tried to outrun what you've done, no matter how hard you try and cover it up, no matter how hard you've worked to make it up to God, when you just simply cannot bring the, the healing and the wholeness and forgiveness that your soul longs to have, grace does. Grace does every time for every single person. Grace carries us through, carries you through, carries me through the darkest and most difficult hours of your life. That's what grace does. It carries you. When you've hit the wall and you just can't go any further, when you're hitting your head against the wall because it just, you just can't seem to make it work on your own. When addiction has robbed you of everything that you really love and that really matters in your life, that's when grace steps in. That's what grace does. It carries us. It carries you through even the parts of your past that you hoped would never catch up to you. When you are stuck and cannot move into the future that God has for you, grace does. Grace finds a way through. Grace makes a way through. Grace is what God gives us to offer us the freedom that we so desperately desire. Freedom from that old life that you've tried so hard to keep together that you can't and you know you can't. Grace is what frees us from the old lies that told you that you don't deserve it, that you're not worth it, that this is what you get. That's what grace does. It frees you from that. Grace frees you to forgive those who've hurt you in your past, to forgive those who've hurt you maybe recently. That's what grace does. Grace gives you the freedom to ask for forgiveness for those that you've hurt to humble yourself and say, because of what God's done for me, will you forgive me? Do you know what grace does? Grace gives you the freedom to forgive yourself. Grace gives you the freedom to forgive yourself. How much and how long have you been carrying the weight 
of your sin. This is what grace does. It frees you to forgive. When you simply cannot move forward anymore, grace does. God's grace does. It always, always does. And you and I, by all of our best efforts, simply cannot outdo grace. You just can't do it. I can't outdo it. I can't undo the things that I've done in my past. I can't outdo what God has already done for me. That's what grace is. That's what grace does. That is what God offers to you. And he says it's available to you right now in this moment. It's a gift. It is a gift through the death and resurrection of my son, Jesus. And God said, let me show you what grace looks like. And so he sent his son into our world. It's what we celebrated a couple weeks ago at Christmas. It's important to celebrate that God sent his son to be with us. But what we celebrated Easter is what really changes everything. He said, not only did God come to be with us, but he died for us. He died for you. He said, Jesus, this is what Jesus does. Jesus says, let me show you what grace does. He says, I'm going to lay down my life for you. I'm going to give up my perfect life to pay the weight, to pay the totality of your, then my depravity, to pay for it all. Jesus says, I'll cover it all. I choose. I willingly, lovingly, joyfully continue. I choose to offer my life for yours. I'll exchange my perfect life for your imperfect life so that you can have a grace-based relationship with God. And by doing so, what Jesus did is not only secured for you and for me the opportunity, the invitation to have relationship with God here on earth, that you can actually know God, that you can go about your everyday ordinary life knowing that the God of the universe is with you and for you. But Jesus says, not only that, I'm going to secure your eternity for you as well. That even long after you're gone, there's nothing you can do to control what happens after your life. God says, let me take care of that for you. So that when you die, when this life is over, your eternity is spent in the presence of God. That you can have security that what God has done is not only good enough for this world, but it covers what comes after. That's how big grace is. That's how good grace is. And thank God, it's a free gift. It's a free gift to every single one of us through what Jesus has done. And in light, of, in light of what he's done, you know, you have your list of all the things you've done you wish you could undo, all the things maybe you've done to try and outdo what you've done. But in light of what God has done through the gift of grace, the death and resurrection of his son Jesus, as we kind of kick off this series of looking what it means and what it means to be in relationship with Jesus, I think there's a very important question that every one of us, no matter where you're at with God, maybe you've been walking with him for a long time, maybe this is all new for you today, I think there's a very important question, even in light of just the little bit that you've heard in these last few moments, and it comes back down to something that you and I get to do. The question is, what do you do about what God has done for you? What do you do about that? Like in light of the gift of grace and the freedom and the fullness, the forgiveness that God offers every single person, the question that, that I have to honestly wrestle is, okay, what do I do with that? Do I just kind of look at that and go, well, that's very nice. Thank you, God. I'm going to keep going about my present path as I have it laid out for me. That's an option. Or you can say literally, oh my God. Oh my God. In light of all that I've done, that you would do this for me. That you would do this for me. I know who I am. I know what I've done to God. You know me more than I do. That you would do this for me, that you would lay down your life so that I could have life. In all my efforts to try and make it up to you, you said, no, let me make a way to you. I'm going to make a way through my son, Jesus. I mean, so how do you respond? Like, what do you do? And I'm talking to everyone in the room right now. What do you do about what God has done 
for you, this gift of grace. And for the next few moments, what I want to do is give you a snapshot of what that looks like, a, a picture in real life of someone in our community, part of this church, who said yes to the gift of grace made available to them. So I want to actually uh, ask you to welcome up my friend Erin right now as she comes to the stage. So will you welcome Erin as we hear a little bit of her story today? Hello, Erin. Hello, good morning. She said good morning. Good morning. All right, <laughs> don't, just don't be rude, it's my friend. All right. Well, Erin, I know a little bit uh, of your story from what you've shared and you being a part of the church. You've been a part of Soul City now for a couple years? About three years. About three years. Mm -hmm. And I think it'd be important as we're talking about what does it mean to have life with God, to be in a relationship with him, to talk a little bit about sort of your story up till about three years ago. Where did God and faith sort of fit into the whole equation for you? Um, well, growing up, I lived in a very difficult and challenging home um, that had no faith. Mm -hmm. whatsoever. Um, but for some reason, regardless of that, I always knew that there was a God. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe it was because I was surrounded by families. I lived in Salt Lake City. There was a lot of Mormon families around me, and they all had faith. So mm -hmm. I tried it all on my own. Mm -hmm. I tried Mormon, Catholic, Lutheran, Baptist. You just kind of covered the gamut just to sort of... And it was terrifying as an eight-year-old. As an eight-year-old. Terrifying. Wow. And you were doing this all on your own? All by myself. Wow. Yeah, it was scary. Wow. Um, so fast forward, basically it didn't stick. I, I didn't know what I was doing. Um, through my teenage years and my young adult years, um, I had made so many bad decisions mm. and so many poor choices mm. that I didn't feel worthy mm. of God's forgiveness, nor did I think he could forgive me. Mm. I mean, I couldn't forgive myself. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't really until I became a mom um, that I decided to try and let God into my life again mm. um, because it wasn't about me anymore. Mm. It was about my, my family. Mm. And um, I started coming to Soul City, um, mostly for Soul City kids because it's awesome it up there. Awesome. <laughs> it is awesome. And um, then I joined a small group, a mom's group, mm. and that was my next step. And that was, I know for you, that was a, it's a big part of your faith story, this mom's group. And I know you can like maybe hear that and go, Oh, a mom's group. Like, what is, isn't that basically just some women like drinking coffee and kids running and screaming all over the place? Like, sometimes. Yeah, it is. Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes it is. But, it's so, but it is so much more, especially at Soul City. It is so much more than that. And I know it was so much more than that for you. Can you talk just a moment about the role that those women played in that community, especially in what it meant for you to start a relationship with Jesus? Um, yeah, absolutely. I 100% believe that I would still be that lost girl today if it weren't for the women hmm. in my small group. Mm -hmm. um, like you said, I thought it would be a mom's group where we talk about teething and napping. <laughs> and um, <laughs> those things are did I do that? Yeah. Um, you know, and it was a big deal for me because I suffer from depression. And after mm -hmm. having my two kids, postpartum depression came in and mm -hmm. kicked my butt. Mm -hmm. um, so I showed up, hot mess. Let's be real, like <laughs> hot mess, still can be. And these women just welcomed me in, open-armed, mm. loved me for who I was at mm. that moment. Mm. And um, we didn't talk about teething. We mm. actually did a book study, and the book was called Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. Mm -hmm. Game changer. Right. I mean, hands down, it is a book about vulnerability, and it teaches mm. you that vulnerability can be brave. Mm. And then it helps you identify shame 
and then in mm. these moments with these women talking about this, um, just experiencing all of this through the book, I realized that um, God had already forgiven me, mm. and he continues to forgive me, mm. and that gave me the room to finally forgive myself mm. for years mm. and years of this heavy weight that was on me. Mm. That was huge. And that is, I mean, that's huge, because I know for you, I mean, you've even shared, like, there was kind of a breaking point for you where you finally just said, okay, you know, and just sort of said, okay, I want, you know, I want to have that kind of grace-based relationship with God. When was that, and, and why was that so important and significant for you to do? That was about, well, it was a combination. That was about three years ago here in this auditorium. Yeah. Um, Jeannie did a sermon on naming it and nailing it, where you wrote down what you wanted, you desperately needed to let go and give to God, but it was mm. almost impossible, and you went and you nailed it on a physical cross, mm. and then through my small group. Mm. And um, mm. I just, I opened my hand, or my heart, just like this much. Mm. I'm sorry, and what happened was, Jesus came in and he flooded my life with grace. Mm. Um, I didn't, it was like a body rush, mm -hmm. almost. I can still feel it, yeah. like on days that I'm feeling down because I still get down. Mm -hmm. um, he lifts me up mm. and he completely set me free, mm. which has led me to wanting to help other people, other women, other moms, mm. other people that have felt as broken as I have mm. feel that freedom. I mean, Mm. It just came in, and then I had no power. God just took me and That's amazing. moved and me. As, and I would say, as just someone kind of standing in the stands cheering you on, Aaron, I mean, to see what God has done. And what we say here all the time, that only God, only oh God, God could do in your life. And to see at your baptism, I mean, shortly after you said, I have to be baptized. I want to let everyone know what God is doing. And to hear your story even more at your baptism. And, you know, for our church to recognize that it is grace that has saved you and set you free. And, you know, there's more parts to Aaron's story about what God has been doing to even grow in your ability to forgive not only yourself, but to go back and forgive those who've hurt you is uh, some pretty uh, amazing and powerful stuff. And so I just want to say thank you for saying yes to God and thank God for grace. So can we thank Aaron for her? Thank you. Story? I love, I love seeing uh, what God is doing, how God is changing and transforming, not just Aaron's life, but so many other folks here at Soul City Church. This is really what it comes down to. I just, I don't have enough time or energy to play religion in my life. I don't, I don't know if you, I, don't, I just, I have, a, like, I have another stuff I want to give my life to other than just trying to be good. And so God says, I know, I know. I've already done, I've already set it up for you. I did it all through my son, his death and resurrection so that you could actually have life, new life, true life, that you could be in relationship with me. And what we wanna do is give you an opportunity to respond to that, to do something about what God has already done for you, to just acknowledge you can't, you can't do it on your own anymore, you never could. You can't undo all those things from past, you can't outdo them. So what would it look like for you today to say, Okay, God, I accept the gift of grace. I say yes to what you've done for me. And so what we want to just do is, is walk through what a response like that looks like. And in fact, I'm going to ask you if there's a, 
a card in your seatbelt. You'd hold on to your pen, but grab this card that looks just like this. It says the art of being on top. And it, it's just real simply, and real so, you can find that in your seat back right now. It just real simply says, this is how you begin. This is what it looks like. And, and for some, th- this literally is going to be the decision today that changes the rest of your life and your eternity. I want you to know that. For some, this is going to be a reminder bringing you back to the start that this really is what it's all about. Maybe you've added on or piled on a ton of other things that you've tried to do or outdo or undo. This is what it is all about. And so I want to walk you through just these three little responses. This is a way that you can actually begin a relationship with Jesus today to renew and refresh your relationship with him by coming back to this. And then in a moment, I'm going to pray for us and give us a chance to respond to what God has done. But basically, to to begin to enter in, to start to have a transformational relationship with Jesus, it starts with this. I confess that what I've done, my sin, can't be undone on my own and has actually separated me from God. No matter how hard I try, no matter how hard I try and be good or not be bad, just can't outdo it or undo it. And then, this is very important, I accept what God does, what God does, for what I've done. That's grace. Forgiving my son through Jesus' death on the cross. The price that was paid for my sin, that all my good works could never bridge the gap, but Jesus said, I will. I will make a way for you. And I choose to accept that. And then third, I choose new life with God today. I choose new life. That's the life I want to live with God today and to live the rest of my life for God to live the rest of my life for him. Like Aaron did to say, as soon as she entered into this relationship, Jesus said, I want the world to know. I want the world to know I'm living for God. I was baptized shortly after. It's just that's what that final step is, is I choose this. I choose this today. Despite maybe what my kind of house I grew up in or what my parents' hopes or intentions for with me, or what, despite whatever's going on in my life, what my spouse has done, hasn't done, whatever is going on from my past that I thought would exclude me from the gift of grace, from things right up to this present moment that I thought, thought for sure disqualified me from the gift of grace made available through Jesus Christ. You can say today, no, I choose this new life. I accept what Jesus has done. I confess that I can't do it on my own. And you can actually begin a new relationship with Jesus today. So here's what I want to do. I just want to give you the opportunity. I don't want you to miss the opportunity to do that. And maybe you've been a Christian for a long time playing religion, but you never got this part. I don't want you. This is for you. And maybe you kind of came out here to church today because you made a resolution to go to church more. Great job. You did it. Showed up. I think it's no accident that you're here. I believe that God may have even brought you right here right now for this moment. And that this moment not only changes your life right now here on earth, but it literally changes the landscape of heaven. And so what I want to do is just give a moment for you to stop and respond and reflect. And maybe for you, the pen, if you know this is you, you look at this and say, yep, I want to start a relationship with Jesus. Or maybe I started on all the wrong things and all the wrong terms. I want it to be about this today. And I want you to fill this out. And over the course of this week, our team's going to be reaching out to you to help you take a next step into this new life with him. So if this is you, I want you just to read through it and maybe just read through these things that I just said a second ago. Take a moment to quietly respond and reflect and then I'm gonna pray for us here in a moment and give us that chance to do something about what God has done for you. So take a moment with this card, with the pen, quietly just read over these things one more time. And if that's you, you can begin filling this out right now. Go ahead.
God, I confess, I right now confess that I add so many things to what you've already done for me. And it's so easy for me to miss the power and the gift of grace. And I accept, I accept my responsibility for what I've done. And I thank you for what you've done for me. And God, I, I want to pray right now for every single person who is listening to what is stirring in their soul right now, the desire for new life, for true life, with you, in you, for you, that you'd be stirring something up, God, that would literally change their life today. God, we pray that. I know that there's a lot, a lot of lists that we have in our head of all the reasons this isn't for us or God would never want to have anything, but it's so clear that you, God, are for us. You gave your life, you gave your son for us so that we could have life with you. So would you help us now respond to you and to do what only we can do in this moment and to say yes. You will not say yes for us, God. You love us too much. And so God, I pray for the courage, for the brokenness, for the honesty, for the willingness to say yes to you right now in this moment. And so here's what I want to do. If that's you, if you look at those things and say, that's what I want. I want this relationship with Jesus. I want to start this year this way. I want to live the rest of my life from this grace-based relationship with Jesus. Here's what I want you to do. I want you just to stand up right now and say, yep, that's me. Just stand up right where you're at and say, I want this. I want this life with Jesus. And I know it may seem like a lot for you to stand up. Believe me, this is, you are going to be glad you did. And so if that's you, stand up right where you are and say, I want to begin. I want to begin a relationship with Jesus based on his terms, what he's done for me. I don't want to try and outdo it anymore, the things that I can't undo. It's already been done. Listen, if that's you and you know it's you, I want you to stand up. This is not a, like a pressure thing. This is a freedom thing. And so if you, if you long for that and you're like, I want to begin today, I want to start today, I want to truly believe that the old can be done and the new can begin through Jesus today, then would you please, for the love of God, stand up. Stand up. Say, I choose to begin today, to begin to start a new relationship with Jesus. No more excuses, no more hiding, no more running, no more trying to do it on my own. I choose Jesus. I want to start a new relationship with him today based on what he's already done for me. So I want to pray for every person. I know even as I'm talking, maybe for you, you're feeling that pull to stand up. I just want to give you one last invitation to do so, to look around and see that you are not the only one, but that God's love has been made available fully and freely to you and to choose that today. So that's you. You can stand. I want to pray over you. And maybe if that's you, you're standing up right now. Would you open your hands up? It's a symbol, a posture of prayer to say, I'm open to you, God. I confess. I accept. I choose you today. Let me just pray over you for just one moment. And Jesus, I pray that you would make real what is happening in this moment. Every single person who's standing, every person who's prayed this prayer, that they confess that what they've done, God, is never going to be enough that you've already done it, to accept what you've done through the death and resurrection of your son, Jesus, to say yes to that in this moment and to choose new life with you. God, I pray right now in their own hearts and their own words that they would affirm and say, yes, that's the life I want with you. And to thank you, God, for making it available to us. Thank you for what you've done, God. You literally make all things new. You make old things new. You make dead things new. You make lost things new. 
And so God, I thank you for the new life that is starting today. And I pray as the Bible promises that you would fill every single heart of those people who said they want to start a relationship with you with the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, that it would be undeniable that they are experiencing new life with you. That they would walk out of these doors different and that God, literally, they would know right now that there are choirs of angels in heaven standing and singing out their name to you, God. That there are angels singing their name and say, holy is the lamb, holy is the one who would give due life, who would offer his son, who would make a way, who would do what we could never do. Thank you, God, for that. Thank you for every single person standing. I pray, God, that they would know beyond a shadow of a doubt what's happening here right now. And I want to invite everyone in this room to actually stand right now and take that same posture of prayer with open hands right now. And maybe for you, you've been in a relationship with God, but you've forgotten, you've lost. This is what it's really all about, a grace-based relationship with him. So let me pray over you as we sing out to God together. God, I pray for every single person here. There's nothing more we can say. There's nothing we can do, God, but to offer our lives to you, to respond to you out of what you've done for us. And so, God, I pray that a fresh spirit of grace would wash over this church that you'd free us, God, from any of the traps of religion, that you'd free us from the traps and temptations of sin, that you would deliver us into new life with you every day with you, God. Knowing that you are not only with us now, but God, you are for us. And so God, we stand and we sing with full confidence, not in ourselves, but in what you've done and who you are. We offer this praise to you, God. It's in your name that we pray and sing, amen.